0: Welcome to It's Not Them, It's You, the show where we take ownership of our choices and where they have gotten us so far. I'm your host, Joy Dennis. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, how's the weather up there? Up where? Oh, I just thought I'd give everyone the impression that you're like six feet tall.
0: (laughs) We're both sitting down. Anyway, it's snowing outside.
1: Isn't it great when the weatherman says that it's going to snow a foot of snow? And it's going to be icy. And then that weather system completely passes you by. Never happens. You get all tensed up, prepared for chipping the ice off your windshield. And it turns out that all of that was for nothing. All your stress for just yeah.
0: kind of a predicted, unknown disaster.
1: For a lie. For...
0: <laughs> Could you think that meteorologists actually have the facts?
1: I I'm saying that maybe sometimes we're listening to the wrong things mm. or maybe we are listening to what everybody else is listening to but it doesn't apply and we can get really fixated on tuning in to the wrong thing
0: mm. way to wait a segue the heck out of that well well in this episode we're going to talk about listening we are <laughs> so here we are <laughs> listeners <laughs>
1: What are you listening to today? You chose to listen to this podcast, um, most likely because you heard it before and you said, that's worth my time and I'm going to listen to it again. But then there's the question of how you even arrived at listening to us in the first place. And it could have been because we called you up on the phone or texted you or you saw a link or you searched a keyword and somehow the internet decided that all you wanted to hear was it's not them, it's you. Um, because you were searching for something your ears were tuned in yeah
0: or maybe it's just somebody who's a friend of ours and is curious about what we're up to
1: yeah maybe you just feel obligated because you you uh want um you want us to feel good and feel supported
0: i mean the nice thing is is that i guess we don't get a list of names
1: of who listens no but we see what country you're from <laughs> and, and we see that you're mainly from washington and you're mainly over 60 years old Actually,
0: our demographics have changed. Oh, have they? Yeah. Our 45 to 55 listener demographic has gone ahead of the other one.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So well, we're
0: actually meeting meet, meeting people or reaching people in our own age group.
1: Well, welcome one and all, people who can hear.
0: <laughs> Obviously not people who aren't listening because they can't hear. Yeah. But
1: welcome. Duh. Duh. <laughs> Maybe we should do a transcription.
0: It would probably be nice of us if we had closed captioning for the episodes, so we could just read our episode.
1: That's kind of like a book, which is kind of like what we're talking about right now, which is a a section in a book that you're writing, and the section is on listening. That's true. Well, so I guess you might just have to wait for the book.
0: If we actually don't. If take, you can't hear this. If you can't hear this. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is that as we were trying to talk about planning the episode, we ended up sort of talking, ta- really talking out some very interesting things for the last hour. And then we were like, dang it, we should have recorded that. Mm-hmm. And so here we are coming back to the same topic, having already sort of covered it in, in one way.
1: Right. But that's the great thing about things that you really need to hear is often you have to hear them more than once for it to sink in.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think talking about a similar thing more than once means you get to explore it from all the angles instead of just the one that came up right then.
1: Well, sometimes you're just not in a place to hear what it is that you're hearing. Like, Hmm. um, for, for instance, I was giving you the example of how me hearing things doesn't help me like when I was a kid and Mm -hmm. I'd be playing soccer and people would be cheering from the sidelines they'd go yeah go Chris go and then I'd stop and go what and then I'd lose the game (laughs) for (laughs) because it's too distracting to hear too distracting (laughs) to have people cheer me on I'd rather go under the radar unnoticed and then strike like a Mm. um, well like a a kraken frankly Uh
0: uh-huh definitely under the radar until they're right on top of you yes so that's so one of the things that we're talking about with listening is this idea of being able to tune in to the to and focus on what it is that needs to be heard you know and i think one of the things that we talked about was this idea of where we put our attention so like if you're playing soccer your attention needs to be on the ball and on the plays and on the things that are happening on the field but you're also sort of have your attention elsewhere because you're listening outside of that space too which is really super distracting
1: well it's like performance anxiety because Mm. all of a sudden it's been drawn to my attention that i'm being watched everybody's watching me right and cheering me on and the same thing could happen at the free throw line in a basketball game Mm -hmm. like um
0: but you even mentioned in a previous episode that you didn't even like it. I mean, this was more related to like your previous back pain and stuff, but you don't like it when people ask you how you are or how's work going or or what's this and what oh, i don't that. mind
1: i don't mind how's work going i I really hate it when people ask me in kind of like this pitying way mm-hmm. oh how's your back so is your back okay
0: not performance anxiety of like maybe too much scrutiny
1: that is too much scrutiny i don't want that attention mm.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> versus the performance anxiety, attention is like everyone's watching, which can also feel like scrutiny,
1: right? Well, everybody has their hopes mm. on oh, you, okay. and so there's a lot of expectation, right? Where, whereas uh, when I was playing baseball, nobody expected me to do anything wonderful. But then I would just put my hand out and catch a ball. I I, I played outfield because I was, uh, in retrospect. Because I was an athlete, I thought it was because I sucked and couldn't handle the uh, the bases, like working the bases. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, there's an interesting perspective. Like I'm sure the shortstop was like, "Ooh, what can't I play outfield? And I'm like, why can't I play shortstop?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because there's a lot more activity around the bases. Right. And for the outfielder, it's a waiting game. Um, and a sprint. And a, and a sprint. And you actually do have to have some uh athletic ability um to line yourself up with a fly ball run after it and catch it and it's it's not a short game it's a long game Mm
0: -hmm. yeah really interesting how like that and then you
1: have to have an arm to to get it in right um
0: so we were just talking about how your like your life strategy you're coming to like understand and see this more in a bigger picture is that you're a long game player. Yes. Not a short game player. But that these other skills are involved too. The My- the intuition of knowing where the ball is going to come, the sprint to receive essentially whatever that blessing is, and this ability to like get there at the right time.
1: Yes. And then also to keep playing the game when other people think it's over, mm-hmm. and then that's how I win.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and like you had said earlier, like lulling, essentially lulling your opponents into a sense of complacency because it looks like you're losing, but you're not.
1: Well, I am technically losing when I drop my queen like within the first three moves of a chess game. Right. I am technically mm-hmm. losing, but my strategy is to. Very slowly, turn the screws,
0: so how would you apply like this long game strategy to what it to like listening to your intuition, listening to yourself, and knowing like essentially like leaning into your own wisdom around that play?
1: Um I think that it's it's really easy to get caught up in the fact that you're losing, mm-hmm. even if it's technically true that you're losing, like you, you might have to file bankruptcy. Um, you might, uh, you might actually be a terrible parent, but if you look at yourself more in the, like more so that you're going to outlast all the deficiencies regardless, I mean, those people are really annoying, right? The ones that are just like, why, why is that person still (laughs) alive?
0: Well, you're not talking about like you're not talking about biding your time and staying in like a stagnant place. You're talking about what growth looks like, which is the rings on a tree or go, you know, getting like there's a lot of plants that take forever before they yield any fruit. But that doesn't mean that their growth time isn't valuable. What they're doing in that process isn't valuable just because they're not having a high yield year after year after year after year. Mm -hmm. Right, Like, you know, like like the agave plant is something that is super... It
1: takes at least seven years.
0: Right. It's super precious and you have to wait for it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so I
0: think that a lot of... Like, our culture really doesn't support the idea that maturity brings better quality. Like, we we like flash-in-the-pan success. We like sort of instant rags-to-riches. We like this kind of idea of celebrityhood, instant celebrityhood versus... What does it look like to really live a rich life and bring something out into the world? Once there's this like depth of maturity backing it up.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean it's the difference between being a layer and being a stew hen. Be- a stew hen is
0: an old layer. Oh
1: well, what it, what I mean <laughs> is between being something that's slaughtered eight weeks and everyone just loves how tender you are mm. uh, and just going on about your business laying eggs Mm -hmm. for a good long time i mean the outcome is much better
0: well there's a longevity as part of the outcome of that but then also like a general sense of productivity
1: so how does this tie into listening though
0: well i would say that if especially in your case if you're if the long game is kind of your mo i mean I, i can say that the long game is your mo even in just like our own relationship like our courtship time that was a long game scenario Mm -hmm. um this idea if we're going to be persistent we have to have an element of trusting ourselves and listening in to that wisdom so that we don't lose heart essentially along the way
1: yeah so what what, where does that persistence come from is that just like this ultimate um, notion of self-righteousness that you're right you got it together if only people would get on board eventually.
0: Is that how you felt?
1: I'm just trying to frame this the most negative way as I possibly
0: <laughs> can. Okay. Well, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that when we have that level of certainty, chances are we may
1: we might be we might have some blind spots. Yeah.
0: I think that if you have that level of certainty, there may be blind spots. I know for me that listening to like going inside and listening means that i trust sort of that intuition and it doesn't mean that i have like somehow sometimes it's an epiphany but other times it's just like a very subtle feeling like one of the one of the best ways i can describe it is that you know for a while i would create like a whole body of artwork every fall and i had this kind of gestation period around my art and i still do this but i don't have it as seasonally as i used to but this idea of like i have something that's forming something that's coming together and it was funny this one particular time because I had a show booked for October and Grizz was going to do all my framing for it and in September the beginning of September he was like you need to get working because I need to get framing and you have a show in like five weeks and
1: and furthermore you're not going to be here
0: right in that particular show it turned out he had to leave because there was a surprise funeral and different kinds of things but it was like I was like I'm not ready to actually start bringing anything <laughs>
1: I think out. it's pretty funny to have a surprise funeral
0: yeah. surprise you're dead well funerals <laughs> are generally surprises anyway <laughs> but I wasn't ready to actually bring out like what I was going to create and so I had this kind of pressure that I'd never experienced of having something booked hang on I-
1: hang on hang on what I-, I want you to keep going on with your story but I think you know I've been thinking about what I want my funeral to look like. And I.
0: <laughs> then now is the perfect time to talk about
1: it? Yeah, and I think it would be really super cool if um, I was in a casket and everybody hid behind the plants and behind the couch and then jumped out and yelled surprise at me.
0: Well, I'm really hoping that this is information you'll share with our children because I really don't want to be there at your funeral. Oh.
1: Okay. Well, the orders have been set forth. <laughs> Anyway, you were talking about your art show, and...
0: Yeah, I was. Anyway, getting back to that, I was feeling pressure to crank some work out, but on the inside, still feeling like the timing wasn't right. And so I really... Like
1: interjecting my wishes for my funeral?
0: Yes, exactly. You're doing it again. Am I ever going to get through this story? Time for you to just listen to me. Okay. Okay. So, having to manage the pressure the outside pressure of somebody saying, "What the heck are you doing?" and the inside intuition of this isn't quite ripe yet, but needing to just trust that that process was going to bear some fruit. So, I mean, in the end it did. Like once I was ready to create, like I really cranked out more work than we could even frame, mm-hmm. and it all went well, but that was a learning process for me to be able to to listen and to trust sort of this idea that It wasn't time yet and i have experienced that a lot in different areas of my life where it's like i want to reach out to somebody because i'm thinking of them but there's a part of me that is like just wait and and one of the ways that this can be generally misinterpreted is we're really hard on ourselves i think and we can misinterpret this this desire or this kind of internal check to wait on something as just why am i procrastinating i mean sometimes we, we legitimately do procrastinate because of for whatever reason and generally the reason is fear but there's other times when we put things off because we just don't feel like the timing is right even if we don't know why Mm -hmm. over the years i've gotten better and better at just listening for those very subtle signals of it's just like it's time to do this or it's not time to do this
1: what if you don't feel like doing it though
0: If I'm I'm like, quote unquote, I don't feel like it, I go, I take the time to go deeper into that. Because it's like, am I just putting this off because I'm concerned about something? Am I fearful of something? Am I just not feeling it? So maybe I shouldn't be doing it anyway. Or or what is this? Mm -hmm. And I think that that listening is just like when we want to listen to a partner. Sometimes the words on the surface, like when we say to ourselves, I just don't feel like doing this sometimes the words on the surface of the conversation are not really the words that are desiring to be heard. And that's why when we're really listening to our partners and to our children, there's the secondary level of questioning. You say you don't feel like doing this. What is it that you do feel like doing? Is there something about this that is putting you off? You know, like one of my kids would want to go, they would say, I got an invitation to spend the night at so-and-so's house. My first question would be, is that something you want to do? Instead of Oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm glad you're going to have fun. Okay, let's make a plan. Because just because there's information being exchanged doesn't mean that, that the feelings are all in alignment with that.
1: Yeah. So and, I always and, want to like, provide it, an out. An invitation is not a demand.
0: No, and an invitation... But some
1: people feel like that's...
0: That's true, yeah. yeah.
1: That's not the case. Right. Like if you're
0: invited to something, you have to say yes.
1: Right. Especially if it's your best friend that invites you to do something. Right. But
0: but maybe you don't. I mean, as parents, it's a great opportunity for us to give our kid an out to just say, do you want to do that? And they say, not really. You say, okay, well, I'll make excuses for you. Just tell them you're not allowed or whatever it is. But, But getting back to this more idea of like us listening to what we have going on inside is about creating space around some ideas or Space around some thoughts that we have, so that there is an opportunity for hearing, right? Because listening is only half of it; hearing is the other side.
1: What? Explain that. That's, well, because we can go. It's like you're trying to propose some sort of Zen koan, but I don't get it. Like, well, I don't get the mystery.
0: So, <clears throat> in in meditation, frequently, what I spend that time doing is being quiet so that I can spend time listening to what is there that maybe I wasn't aware of. And we can hear, we can spend time listening, but not really identify what it is we're hearing. And so I feel like hearing is the second piece of receiving information. Okay. And maybe it's just the way I'm using these specific words, like for the vocabulary, maybe different. Cause I know some people will say, you know, you're hearing me, but you're not really listening. Right? So there's the kind of the other side of that. Whereas I'm like, I'm listening, but I really want to receive the message.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but what we're talking about is, are you emotionally intelligent enough to decipher what I'm saying? Are you listening?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, are you Are you really sick? Can you not comprehend the words coming out of my mouth because you're hearing what you want to hear and not what I'm saying?
0: Well, this is where the vocabulary piece I can see is an obstacle because people are going to use the word "hear" as lesser than "listen."
1: I yeah, I, I don't find
0: and maybe I shouldn't have said "hear." I should have said "receive."
1: I think yeah. that that's a better word to use, and I'm <laughs> not. It's really not a critique of your vocabulary. I think that that's like a commonplace differentiation that you made between hearing and listening mm-hmm. and it's it's almost nonsensical though um because what you're telling people is what i want you to do is hear be, hear between the lines like you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. is that I, I want you to hear i want you to hear something that's not being said
0: well and when we're talking about um, listening to ourselves i mean i think this is this very specific context is making space to receive what's actually happening to receive the more subtle wisdom that we carry that is often ignored
1: or dismissed. So we were talking earlier about our path to buying a home in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And um, at the beginning of 2020, in January, we set our goals on some pretty highfalutin things that we would um, live in the tropics, well, um, that
2: was...
0: I mean, we set our, We wrote down everything that we wanted in a house in Michigan, because at that point we had decided on oh, Michigan. Oh, okay. And it was later in the spring... Yeah, I heard
1: what I wanted to hear. Right.
0: It was later in the spring that we were really vacillating around, maybe we want to move to California, maybe we want to move to Hawaii, why do we want to spend another winter in a cold climate? You know, all that kind of stuff. But, Janu- but January 1st, 2020...
1: Right. Well, February and March really mess with your head when you're living in places like New York... Michigan, Illinois, yeah, um,
0: but but this thing you were talking it about drives
1: is... you little bonkers, and then on top of it, if you add um, coronavirus, uh what's it called uh self isolation, the mm-hmm. thing we did quarantine mm-hmm. um, you add winter on top of quarantine, it produces some magical thoughts, okay. which are I'm gonna just move to Hawaii, I'm just gonna get rid of everything, pack into a suitcase and move to Hawaii and live on a plot of land
0: in a tent mm-hmm. naked well what's the suitcase for then
1: um deodorant mm. good good move so we were talking about how you know we had this thought of what would be a good idea to do which would be to not rent anymore mm-hmm. and When we
0: wanted to move closer to family and live in a more kind of affordable situation and we really spelled it out so this was like this kind of a intention setting for the year like what is our goals for the year and
1: you cast a spell you spelled it out
0: I spelled it out and it was like a certain number of bedrooms a certain kind of environment a certain you know all of these things very very specific because I feel like if you're gonna make a plan make a specific plan
2: mm-hmm.
0: and <clears throat> and then we actually did a timeline of like in this month we're gonna do X and this month we're gonna do this and all the way down until like sort of keys in hand and so the year progressed we Grizz got really excited about, well, and one of the, one of the parts of this process was I said to him, I'm really tired and exhausted of looking at properties and trying to make things happen. And so I'm just going to live my life and you make it happen. You like find the property, talk to the realtor, tell me when we're moving. And so there was a lot of just kind of like, how about this? How about that? How about this? And then sort of strategizing and thinking about it. Yeah,
1: it's like how I feel about going to the mall with no money in hand.
0: Mm -hmm. You don't... He's not a window shopper unless it comes to real estate. Mm -hmm. So every time we found something, we were like, this seems like it's going to work. Things just didn't happen in a fluid way. It was like the realtor wouldn't get back to us. Or the property couldn't be insured because of fire hazards. Or just all these things where we couldn't nail down anybody sort of like connecting us to anything like solid right and so even
1: even though we like had cash in hand right to buy like an acre of land on the big island.
0: Right. Like, we could just say, say hey, we have to, we have X amount of dollars. We want to just pay you. Can we do this? And we we still weren't hearing back from realtors. I mean, all of this, of course, is in the midst of COVID. And so, there's just a lot of, like... Roadblocks. Roadblocks and roadblocks and roadblocks. And in the meantime, we're, like, selling all of our stuff and downsizing because we know we're going to move. Like, there's already that set sensation in our hearts of, we know we're moving. We're not spending another winter in New York we know this is happening. So there's just like this very strong confidence in there's a plan coming together, even though we don't know what and, it is yet.
1: Yeah. And to differentiate, we're not spending another winter in upstate New York, which is...
0: Right. Western New York is where we were living. Yeah. So this idea that something is coming. And then we sort of turned back towards Michigan, which had been like our original intention set for the year and the funny thing was is the way that that kind of came about was in july we wanted to go for a little mini vacation we decided hey we're going to go to michigan maybe we can see some family we weren't really planning on looking at houses because we were going to be like in the up and then our camping situation ended up being a total disaster just awful awful we don't have to go into it but we ended up getting an airbnb in jackson near family and spending our vacation looking at houses And what happened is we found the right house in the right location for the right amount of money and put in an offer, like, out of the blue, in July. Was
1: it July or August?
0: It was July. Okay. Or August 1st, maybe. Yeah. So, but one of the things before we got to that point was I felt like I had a conversation with the universe at some point where it was just we know we're moving and we'll know where we're moving because it will be easy. And I felt like I was actually having the conversation where I was saying, I know something's being orchestrated and this is how I'll know it's the thing because it's going to be so easy. Mm -hmm. And this is how I'll know. Everything will just kind of come together. It'll be super obvious and it will just be smooth. And I felt really confident about that because then the listening process that I was engaging in was just, how does it feel like it's moving? And the fact that we like hit up on a rough camping trip wasn't a negative necessarily because it opened all these other doors and we our first day of house looking was really kind of depressing but that didn't mean we weren't going to find something and then when we did find the house we put an offer on it it was accepted within less than 30 days we had all of our escrow and everything done and we got the keys september 11th and moved october 9th so it was like from august 1st to october 9th and we were totally relocated in our new house
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so I really couldn't actually imagine a smoother process.
1: It only took ten and a half months.
0: You could say it only took ten and a half months, and
1: seven of those months were living in me, living in denial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And still, I would have to say living in denial because I'm
0: because here we are I'm and still it's still surfing February and Realtor he really, dot com. It's February and he, <laughs> and he wants to be someplace warm as it snows and snows and snows outside. But, but
1: apparently, this, the whole country is under snow right now, so. Yeah.
0: You're not the only it's one. It's no joke. <laughs> but this idea of, like, listening in and knowing when to take sort of steps towards effort. Like, like you were saying, like, knowing when you're going to run out to the field all of a sudden and catch that ball.
1: Yes. And so it was... After you hear the bat hit the ball because you can't see very well. Mm-hmm. Because you haven't got glasses yet as a little fourth grader.
0: Well, you did get most improved player once you got those glasses.
1: That's true, but then just intuiting where the ball might be going, even though you can't see it, and lo and behold, it's in your glove.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's miraculous,
0: right? Well, and I would. I, would I feel with... that way about us actually getting, like, getting our house. The ease in which that sort of came together, mm-hmm. too. It was like boom, yeah. boom, boom,
1: boom, boom. Here you go. Yeah, but I mean, you know, what's the difference between listening and luck? I mean, there's there's smart people who see opportunity and take it. And then there's people who don't see opportunity ever in their lives. And um I mean, maybe this is just an assumption on my part, but I I get the idea that there must be a lot of unhappy people in society. Otherwise, we wouldn't have all the problems that we have as far as a, like a collective goes. Mm-hmm. Um we we have a lot of selfish behavior, a lot of short-sightedness, and you know, I, I'd love to um, fix the world's problems, but I think that a lot of it has to do with people who don't care to listen,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they or they hear what they want to hear. There
0: is a there is an inner disconnection, and then, as you were saying, there is this idea of confirmation bias. If you already believe that you deserve a rough life, or that the world's out to get you, or that you are always going to be abandoned, or you are never going to be supported, then your chances are that's the station you are going to be to stay tuned into things that are going to confirm that about you. If you already feel like a victim, then you're going to be looking for that victim confirmation.
2: Yeah. You're Whereas gonna... if you
0: believe no matter what your circumstances are, that you are, have a right to exist, a right to be successful, a right to, to happiness, then you're going to look for those confirmations. And we can, if we believe that things are working out for us and that good things are coming, then we keep our sights high And we see those things when they arrive.
1: Well, it's funny because I, like just yesterday, I I had one of my classic, uh, I don't trust anybody moments. And I was filing our taxes and, um, in order to get our refund, I needed to put our bank routing number or confirm our bank routing number. Mm -hmm. And I've done this through TurboTax, like seven for seven years. Mm -hmm. And the bank account hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. But this year I said, somebody probably went in there and changed the bank, like the routing number. So, and I don't trust anybody and, you know. So the
0: refund would get routed elsewhere.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go like set my eyes on our checkbook and make sure that everything's up and up. Um, and even now, even though I clicked send and okay, I'm still like, is it really going to happen? Um, because I don't trust people and that's really opposite of, um, it's the opposite of how you work, I think.
0: The opposite of how I work specifically? Right. Yes. I don't necessarily trust people, but I do trust that there is
1: other things going on. You trust that things are going to work out for the best and... I say I'm going to make sure things work out for the best because I'm not going to let some crazy thing happen. I'm not. I mean, well,
0: it's different because you, you know, you say I'm going to make sure. Whereas I think part of my part of my trust that everything is always working out for me is that I also acknowledge that I can't, that I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. I can't make things happen. Because we can spend a lot of energy trying to force something to happen that is not gonna happen
1: well let's um, I don't know that that's a good thing necessarily which thing this idea or this um, kind of throwing your hands up
0: it's not throwing my hands up at all it is again it kind of goes back to that episode where you talked about like what does it look like to co-create and to cooperate with the universe it's I acknowledge the fact that I am co-creating which means if something isn't going to isn't in my best interest whether I desire it or not no matter how much I bang my head against the wall I'm not going to have that thing
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: why waste my time pushing towards something that isn't going to work versus kind of listening in and tuning into where the doors are already open
1: yeah I think for me that's really hard to hear uh that
0: that about me or just that idea
1: that um getting where you should be in life is an easy process that uh can be unhindered and you don't go down 15 year rabbit trails on one career path when that's not what you're meant to do
0: i i believe that our paths are all the paths that we need to take and I mean, again, like you can say, a 15 year rabbit hole, but that, does that discount everything you picked up along the way? So I thought about going back to school for a long time after we, you know, we had, you know, I was home full time with the kids and you were working and I was just a mom 100% of the time. And I often entertained ideas about going back to school because I knew that at that certain point that child raising was not going to be using all my time and energy. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know what I was going to do after that. And I had always kind of thought about my life in this terms of, okay, when i when I'm 40, I'm going to totally invest in my career because one, I had this really silly limiting belief that like nobody was going to take me seriously anyway until I was 40. So don't even bother.
1: Right. And it turns out that actually nobody's going to take you seriously until you're 50.
0: Wow. Actually, people started taking me seriously much earlier than before my 40s. Thanks for that. Um, I'm just trying to so, be uh, you
1: know, an optimist.
0: Yeah, thanks. So I didn't even really think about school other than like, what do I want to do? Maybe this, maybe that. But nothing really resonated. Nothing really was like sparked my interest. Nothing was like, yes, this is the thing. Until I found the program that I wanted to do that would enhance what I was already doing. You know, so I went into life coaching in my late thirties and that felt really good because that was kind of the jumping off point from us, you know, having our coffee shop and me meeting with people on a regular basis, just in that context and realizing, okay, this is where my real gifting lies, which I should have known already because I was already in counseling and all kinds of other stuff. um, You know, when we were in the church, like that was already something I was doing, but I didn't know how to like make it official. Mm -hmm. And so life coaching became kind of that official terminology. And then when I decided to go back to school, it was to do this integrated healing arts program that included clinical hypnotherapy, too, because that felt like really solid for me to do that. But it was like until I until I knew really what I wanted to do, I didn't do anything instead of feeling. I think this overwhelming pressure, I should be doing something and then pursuing a bunch of different venues of like things that that could be it. So the way that I operate is just in a more of a in a waiting mode
1: yeah, that's really in opposition to a lot of the classical uh, entrepreneurial advice I know and, it is. and for if you're in an entrepreneurial circle, you're going to hear that action creates opportunity
0: um, right, which I think can be the case, but obviously, there are other modes of getting where you want to go. And one can be just waiting until something is, is feels right and doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And because I also like, you know, some of my personal phrases are work smarter, not harder, you know, um, That's a Nick
1: Offerman phrase.
0: No, it's not. It's not the only one that says that out there.
1: Well, he also says it's anybody's game.
0: You say, which is your phrase. Yes. So, Smarter, not harder is one of them, but also maximum reward for least amount of effort. Like, you could pretty much kind of say that that is...
1: Yeah, that's definitive of you. That's
0: definitive of me. Maximum reward for least amount of effort. And Mm -hmm. so I really live by that, which means that I make my moves after careful consideration, but without stalling.
1: Right. So what, what do you do with me? And I, like, what you're talking about, Sounds really boring to me. So what do I do with all that boredom energy while I'm waiting for the opportunity?
0: I don't think that everyone operates the same. I'm in no way suggesting saying, that you operate well, the same way that I do. I'm
1: not saying that you're saying that. You literally just said the way that I operate. Mm-hmm. And I and I thought, well, that's definitely not how I operate. Let me ask her mm-hmm. how it is that I should work this maximum reward system with the least amount of effort Mm. if my propensity is to be bored when I'm not doing stuff. Well, is your... And and it's not... And boredom's like...
0: Boredom is like you're living hell.
1: Boredom is the mind killer, to quote, misquote Dune. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it really, it leads to lack of self-worth, lack of, um, well, that's it. lack of self-worth because if i'm not conquering uh, that means i'm surely not doing anything worthwhile
0: well i think that that's where maybe there's like this illusion do i
1: need like some sort of worry stone to to rub or i think
0: that this is part of like what the illusion is of like that productivity is the only thing that gives us value and i don't i don't like I'm not on board with that idea because external productivity is the only measurable productivity. Whereas I know that on the inside, like I have a a lot going on on the inside all the time.
1: Yeah, and that's fine.
0: And it looks to others like nothing. It looks like stillness. It looks like quote unquote laziness. It looks like who knows what.
1: Yes. But what I'm asking is what do I do?
0: I think that part of it is we... You have to dive into what boredom, what this boredom really is. Because I don't think that boredom is that. I don't think that boredom is a thing. I think that boredom is a cover word for a lot of other things.
1: Dissatisfaction.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Impatience.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, I mean... Low
0: self-esteem.
1: With boredom. Fear. I don't know how fear... Jumps in there. Well,
0: fear jumps in with dissatisfaction and low self-esteem because we fear it's like it can be oh, like that whole idea of like
1: I'm I'm nothing.
0: Yeah, fear of like I don't have anything going on on the inside, or fear of I'm losing traction on my life plan somehow by not doing anything right now, or like I think that boredom is it is inner dissatisfaction and inner impatience because if because the alternative. To not having a whole lot going on or, or like maybe not being quote unquote externally productive is to enter and embrace a sense, a state of rest and attention, inner attention. So if when you didn't have anything to do, you said, oh, here's an opportunity for me to go inside myself and attend to what is happening in that internal environment instead of this external environment, then it too would be productive time. And so sometimes I feel like this quote unquote boredom is really just like a running away from self or, or, and but, but we have other feelings happening too. Sometimes when we're bored, it's because we need movement. We're feeling agitated mm-hmm. or we need kind of, some kind of like somatic emotional release too. And so it, we call it boredom, but we really need like release.
1: Can you explain what somatic is? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Somatic is basically what is, what the body is holding. And so it's like this idea that, you know, our body holds our emotions and we need, when we feel emotion, usually it kind of comes into the body and then passes out of the body. And that's our experience. But a lot of times we hold back and we don't experience our emotions and it, and it gets stuck in the body. And so there you can have somatic releases, which is working usually with a therapist, assisting to release st- st- stored emotion from the body. Mm. And so like with little kids... If there's big feelings, a lot of times what you'll see is a high energy level. They want to run around. They want to emote strongly. Maybe there's some aggressiveness, whatever it is. But that's the emotion passing through the body. And so as adults, we don't really have as much room for these kinds of expressions. Dancing is a great somatic release.
1: But yeah, then, I so it's like,
0: as a couple, like, we'll wrestle like when we're feeling agitated or a little bit aggressive or whatever it is to kind of allow that to move mm-hmm. through us in a positive way. I when I was growing up, I wrestled with my dad and my brothers and I think that it was actually a very healthy thing for us to be able to really get physical together but not have it be a dangerous situation. But there was room for it in the household that I grew up in. And that that and I think that that was really a good thing you know we'll sometimes wrestle with our kids too because it is like this very positive physical emotional release and some kids are like so children really need a lot of uh, physical contact but not all children are cuddly mm-hmm. but and so it serves actually their emotional physical contact needs also mm-hmm. without having it look one specific way
2: yeah
0: and so boredom I think a lot of times is this. Agi- inner agitation and need for release
1: so you saying i need to take him some sort of hobby
0: i think that if you had a, a very physical hobby you would probably be able to enter into a state of rest and appreciate it much more easily
1: what what would what do you envision me doing as a hobby <laughs>
0: I don't know, because whenever you've—I mean, you were—you were a cyclist for quite a while. But I know that there's always—I was a
1: cycle path,
0: a cycle path. Well, the different when you've been super active in your life, it has always been centered around work and productivity. So when you were a cyclist in Portland, it was because you chose that way to get to and from work and that's what made space for this activity and then you worked for amazon and you were extremely active but because your job demanded it which meant you couldn't take a break even if you physically needed to and mm -hmm. so for you to choose a hobby that is physically demanding that you don't have to do is is different like it would be different for you but you do have actually the space in your life to 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 do that to choose something like that like you could take up running
1: (sighs) I think maybe right now it might be building snowmen.
0: Yeah? As a hobby? As a... You know, and maybe you wonder why the neighbors are always shoveling the, the yard 24-7. Maybe they just...
1: The snow's just coming back. What are you doing?
0: Maybe they enjoy the activity because they're not getting as much physical activity as they'd like to get and they seem like a very active family.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Because
0: I think that when you are getting a lot of physical activity, you are less bored. Do you think that's true?
1: Um, maybe because yeah. you're exhausted. Yeah, I'm just, like, thinking back to when I was riding my bike three hours a day.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. I think you might sleep better.
1: Well, then I have pedal, 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 my, uh, thing where I pedal in my sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. Um. But I mean now, like you're you have such a relaxed lifestyle now. Sedentary. Sed- it's not relaxed. Okay. So that's it's such a sedentary lifestyle now that you're even having like you're not exhausted enough at the end of the day to really even get a good night's sleep. Right. Like there's just certain things that you physically I think that your your body's saying, I need to I need more before I can check out.
1: But I'm not listening.
0: Well, this is where listening to the body I think is really important.
1: Maybe listening isn't you listening for something but listening is somebody telling you for you
0: well when the body
1: does that make sense no it didn't but when the body has information
0: for us it shows up
1: you might be listening to the wrong person when you are trying to listen to your body Mm. it might be somebody else who needs to tell you the hard truth Mm. so like
0: maybe the body information isn't coming through clear enough because your brain information is getting in the way
1: i i guess i mean there's there's a big part of me that um would love to detach entirely from my body and only be in my mind um astral project like all the time mm-hmm. Even, so
0: completely disassociate,
1: yeah, just be done with my physical form and i I practice it in my dreams, and um people are really disappointed with me in your dreams yeah they they uh they're pretty mad for me choosing that mm. kind of abandoning them
0: uh-huh well and you're not just abandoning them you're abandoning yourself like no, that's
1: just my body
0: well your body is you too like there's this need for full integration into everything that we are hmm. and so you know your this body is the
1: can, somatic struggle is it not
0: it is partly of needing to really show up for what is there like, your body is there waiting for you to come into it, come home to it, and take care of it properly. I
1: think that that's the, the, a really good uh, way to wrap up listening, is you're you're prone to hear what you want to hear. And um, it's not always what you need to hear. And sometimes it's got to be said a different way, which means that you've got to listen to a lot more. There's a lot more going on to listen to than... Uh, meets the air.
0: Mm-hmm. like maybe it's just there's so many different style like different ways and, and pathways and styles in which we even communicate with ourselves so like the mind is one thing that's always running its own story and trying to run the show but tuning in to maybe what the body has to say is another form of listening more information but we have to but it's much more subtle
1: right and, and all of these forms of listening that you're talking about aren't auditory
0: no they're not
1: and but the really crazy thing about all sound is that it essentially is just unintelligible vibrations that group together into a pattern and then your brain interprets it in a certain way mm-hmm. and you can trick yourself into not hearing things um I, like i i mean i or hearing things like i have tinnitus and the only reason why i have tinnitus is because my brain has decided that i do Whereas if I just said, uh, no, I don't need to hear that high pitch anymore, um, then I'd be done with it.
2: Maybe. But I think,
0: I love what you said about sound, uh, external sound is just coalescing vibration. So when we're listening to our bodies or to our inner intuition, it's the same principle. It's just the sense of vibration that leads to information. Yes, It's It's just not passing through the eardrum.
1: But what we're talking about is like... uh, Perception is perception is the entire scope of reality, mm-hmm. um, and our our ability to misperceive things is just as likely as it is to perceive them correctly. "Quote unquote." Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what correct is? Um, I don't know. It's just it's kind of mind blowing, and it's almost like too much to think about. Like that, there's so much more going on around us that we can't comprehend or perceive um and what does that look or sound like it's like sometimes i think that um maybe we're really lucky that we can't hear everything Mm -hmm. uh because our brains would just explode if we could um and then another part of me is like well why do i have why do i have to miss out on that
0: Mm mm-hmm like, like what, what part of me decided that that didn't need to be part what makes of my the experience, universe, right? What makes
1: the universe so special that it can exclude me from <laughs>
0: Well, and I don't think certain, that it's... I think that's funny to say what makes the universe so special, because I think that it's the, it's more human conditioning than anything else that says you can see this and you can't see that. You can hear this and you can't hear that. And it's like this, like, human conditioning that creates such a limited set of perceptions for us. Yes because of what is incomprehensible or because of what quote-unquote doesn't serve us or what we need and don't need. It's kind of like this idea of like a need-to-know basis.
1: Right. I mean, we just came off of Valentine's Day and so many people out there love each other in different ways than all like that I want to partake in. Um, like I have my own brand of love that I like, but I, I have people that I care and love that uh, you know their their choice in romance is is like outside of my ability to perceive the universe and it's just like befuddles me and that's great that's good for them but I, I guess that's like one of those things where you can really mishear things on purpose for you, your own limited beliefs
0: yeah like, again that confirmation bias comes in strong of what we do believe what we don't believe what we do want to see what we don't want to see right what we essentially filter like how our filters work you know against us because that's the other side of that discernment if you want to call it that is like your filter can actually keep you from reality your filter can actually maintain illusion that is creating limitation and creating a lack of empowered freedom because the filter appears to be what's real or won't allow kind of this bigger world to exist. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I think that when it comes again, coming back kind of to sort of what the theme of this episode is, which is listening. I think that there's at least in my client work, what I come to understand a lot of times is that people are afraid to listen to their own intuition because they may have made some mistakes or they've made some wrong choices in the past and felt like they were following their hearts and that essentially deep down, they are just not trustworthy and what it takes to kind of overcome this obstacle of like, I'm not, I can't trust myself is to work on trusting. We have to rebuild trust with ourselves and also acknowledge that there are things we need to forgive ourselves for. Everyone makes mistakes it's part of the journey and that listening is how we deepen our intimacy with ourselves just like listening is how we deepen our intimacy with
1: others. So that's interesting. I affirm you.
0: Okay, thanks.
1: <laughs> as awkwardly as possible. <laughs> as usual. Um I, I was thinking while you were talking about listening just now that
0: <laughs> you weren't listening?
1: I was hearing this mind blowing thing that if you you're truly going to hear and listen for your intuition. You have to also speak your intuition. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking about like a higher self in more like turn of the 20th century theosophy, Edgar, Edgar Cayce, sort of speak. That I don't, I actually don't mind. Um, the higher self, the, the higher consciousness mm-hmm. being who is essentially god talking to you
0: mm-hmm. which is like our like divine. divine connection or but our inner wisdom i think thing. that
1: maybe some people can't hear anything because they're not talking i talking, you mean out loud they don't have the permission to speak mm. the things that they ought to hear do you see what i'm saying it's mm-hmm. like a circle like, well, like a sem- you're not hearing anything because you're not talking you're you're not Um, you're not receiving good things because you're not putting out good things. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it is a cycle. I mean, as somebody like for me personally, I'm a verbal processor. So a lot of times I have to have the space to express in order to even hear how I feel and hear what I'm thinking and to essentially self-reveal. Yeah. And if I don't, have a safe place if i don't have somebody to talk to or if i can't even just open up then i'm actually missing out on what's available to me from that higher space Mm -hmm. and and so it's like like you're saying how can you receive like if you're not a part of this cycle yeah just like like how do we listen if we don't actually show up
1: if you're in an echo chamber Mm -hmm. and you're not talking what good is an echo chamber (laughs)
0: Well, and I was just talking with a client yesterday and it was, how do we listen? And it's like, like if we were trying to connect with maybe people who have passed or even just connect with our own intuition. And it's like, well, you don't just say, hey, send me a sign. Hey, speak to me. Hey, or even just, hey, God, where are you? And just kind of like always, like, I, I just got this kind of impression of like, echolocation of like bats always yelling out like hey 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 yeah
2: that's but if if
0: there's nothing out there there's nothing to bounce it back on but then they get lost in kind of this like vibration this repeating vibration so for us what does it look like for us to set the stage like send the invitation and then wait for the response so imagine like this echolocation that takes some time of like hey i'm here and i'm inviting you to come and then you sit and you listen and you wait instead of just sending the signal out again and not waiting for the bounce back. Yeah, because I feel like we have to actually set our intention, put it out there, and then make space for revelation. Like make space to hear something, make space to what you know, invite that in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and that waiting is the same as.
1: That's the the faith component.
0: Yeah. Waiting is the same as trust. It's like, I put this out there. I know it's coming back, but this is where my patience comes in. This is where my trust comes in that I am and where my attention comes in. Because if you're expecting company, you're super attentive to, did they drive up? Are they knocking on the door? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to hear them when they come. And so our attention is still very focused as we continue to pre- prepare our homes, continue to make the food, mm-hmm. set the table, whatever it is. But all with the attention of this thing, person, event, whatever it is in our lives that we've invited to come, to come.
1: Right. That's that's how UFOs work.
0: It's also, oddly enough, <laughs> how I work. <laughs> and so what looks like inaction, maybe, or not mm-hmm. doing anything, is attentive anticipation yeah and that i think i guess is probably one of the best ways that i've described what is happening inside me as i am going about my life
1: right so (laughs) it's 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 expectation and in the past that expectation system has been rewarded um handsomely i mean look at me um
0: I wouldn't say expectation because that is a predetermined outcome, <laughs> but
1: are you saying I'm a predetermined outcome in your life?
0: No, I said, I did. I said, I wouldn't say expectation uh, expectation. I think
1: I'm hearing what I want to hear now. Yeah.
0: Expectation. I think is putting too much of a, too much of a, like solid box around something versus anticipation is more of just a general excitement that the need will be met, but I don't have to say what that's going to look like. So it's, it's hoping things more loosely. Mm-hmm. Because expectation I have felt in my life actually leads to disappointment. Yeah. Because I'm because I want every I want something to look very much like this. Like winding this back around to our house search, it was like we there was this one house we found last year in the town we ended up moving to. Yeah,
1: three, it's like five blocks away from us. Yes.
0: That I was like that is it. That is the house I want. That and then I actually had to loosen out my parameters and say that house or something better. Yeah. And in the end, this house is much better. We went and saw that property. It was way smaller than it looked. It was way more isolated. It was just...
1: It was on the wrong side of the tracks.
0: Right. And and I was really hung up on it. So I could have just maintained that very specific expectation of that's it. That's the place. And really narrowed my gaze. And gotten what I wanted. But had maybe it not be the right thing. Or not gotten what I wanted and been disappointed. Instead of, oh, when we say this or something better... We really, like, hold our hands open for something better.
1: This or something better is a wonderful catalog title mm-hmm. um, or magazine you could get in the mail. Remember magazines, everyone? Like the Lillian
0: did, Vernon catalog? Yes.
1: You you <laughs> turn the page, and, boy, that really didn't satisfy your uh, lust for material. But maybe the next page. This or something better. <laughs> um
0: For me, that's for me, that attitude of this or something better has really been the antidote to disappointment for me because I do tend to pinpoint my focus when I need to open it up.
1: Yeah, but what if your brand of blessings in life is um, pretty short sighted? Like, God gave me this parking place in front of the building today. Like, is that.
0: This to me sounds like this conversation. This is we very had. specific. This also, this also sounds like the conversation we had the other day about like this this character, who wastes. Their- oh,
1: don't say that. <laughs> That's a book. I'm not. I'm not gonna <laughs> let that out of the bag.
0: Okay, but no. it, but it sounds like yes, like you said, very short-sighted. It's very short-sighted to say. Or like.
2: It, I think. Let, I think the short-sightedness it, is make, God,
0: bringing God into
1: it. Let's make it a little more like um, American and say. Uh, God was really behind our football team, and we won. And I, I, I <laughs> it's like, well, are is everybody on the other team? Are they heathens? Right. What, like, what what's the what's the game we're playing in our minds here? What that, makes you so special? <laughs> right. Why? What makes the universe so special compared to me? Um,
0: well, and I think that when you say, I think also that takes away the that takes away like the earned success. Of, like, we played hard, we played well, and we won. As if we have to attribute success to something beyond us every single time. Or, like, and, I
1: could and say... I, and I would say that that's, like, th- somebody could say, well, that's not very humble of you. Like, to think that you came up with all of this and that you weren't given... You, you don't have God-given talent. Um, yeah, but
0: with the... Or we have that, to, like, that broaden God's favor the, wasn't on. Right, that's the thing. Is you're saying God's favor? We have to broaden the scope of God's favor. You what know, we're if, really
1: talking about here is luck and timing.
0: Right, but also like our nationalistic culture that somehow America is God's blessed country versus any other country out oh, there.
1: Oh, you're treading on thin ice. Well,
0: I'm just saying that's this is a cultural ideal that God for somehow for whatever reason prefers our country over other countries, and I think that that's completely BS. So. Like, one of the things that I will say about my life is that things are always working out for me, and I always get what I want. Am I? Does that mean that I'm taking credit for it? No. I'm a co-creator with what is happening in my life.
1: Yeah. And I think that that might annoy some people. Oh, I'm sure. Who can't get on board with that concept, because then they say, why does she think she's so special? And really what they're saying is, why can't she be as unspecial as I am?
0: And for me, it's not that I think that I'm so special. I just feel like for my own life and for my own experience, I understand how this works. And I am valuable and valid and worthy of having it all work out for me in whatever way it's going to.
1: It's daunting to me how many people there are in the world. Like, there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Something like 8 billion. I can't even count to a 100,000 like I don't want to be in a town that's bigger than um, thirty thousand. So why does it, why is
0: it daunting for you personally? Like
1: all these people with all their individual stories, all if if the world was like tuned in properly, if everyone just tuned in, like this this place would be so crazy awesome, or it could be incredibly selfish and. It could be incredibly uh, short-sighted, and it could just, like, essentially kill itself um, through its own hubris. And I, I think we're getting the second version of that. Mm-hmm. Like, that the option, like, door number two, it seems to be what we want to do all the time.
0: Well, when you say, like, the, the idea that it's daunting that there's, like, 8 billion people or, or whatever... Yes. When I hear you say that, I think... Like I immediately kind of switch it into the context of like cells in the body, how there is this possibility and potential of everything working together for the goodness of the whole. But within our human bodies, there's also tumors and cancer and all these things where these cells decide they're they're doing their own thing. Yeah. And whereas like I see myself as being more of like a healthy cell that's on board with all the processes that are happening leading to the health of the greater whole.
2: Yeah.
0: And so not as like some kind of arrogant, independent operator that's super special, but as someone who is on board with the existing body that's functioning. Whereas there are all of these other cells that have the potential to create havoc and harm within the body so at least that for me gives me some perspective of like as a quote-unquote independent operator i'm still a part of something greater seeking the health
1: of the greater whole as a parent of teenagers would you please explain to me uh pimples in this context pimples yes
0: removing toxins from the system it's what the white blood cells do. They clear the body out and the white blood cells are the pus. Is that
1: what pus is? Yes. It's white blood cells? Yes, it is. Oh my gosh, I learned...
0: Nothing in elementary and middle school? What? White blood cells are the fighter cells that are meant to for the removal of so toxins. So
1: then, like, if we're going to help somebody who's sick, we should give them our pus?
0: That's how inoculations are created.
1: Holy shit.
0: (laughs) You know this.
1: No, I don't. I didn't know that. Okay. That is so gross and wonderful. Just like
0: humanity. I mean,
1: are we spreading misinformation here?
0: No. The very first smallpox inoculation was created from the pus of one of the smallpox. I think I'm going to throw up. Okay. Well, why don't we just wrap it up then? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share with someone you think might enjoy the experience too. You can also subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss a single episode. Share, like, subscribe. To ask questions, get feedback, or to have input on what topics we may cover in future episodes, email me at itsyoupodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you are interested in learning more about working with me as a client, head over to joyfullifeintuitive.com. Until then, remember... It's
2: you.